Thank you, Sia. <laughs> and the other two people. That was uh, make me look better than I am. It is good to be with you. If I'm sounding all clogged up, I've had that weekend, like just this. And then um, I, I decided this morning just to touch my toes. And, uh, and I realized I'm old. Because <laughs> as, I, as I got there, something in my back just went. I just felt it. Boing, and you know when you just feel that, like, that pain? So I came to church and basically asked for everything. Pills, prayer, it didn't matter. Just anything. So, so if this message goes a little skew, it's because I've mixed one too many pills and a little too much prayer and, and my filters are gone. But anyway, it is great to be with you. And uh, we are carrying on this, this series called 111 Hours. If you missed the beginning, we said this. We said, the beginning of this year, we just wanted to grab back a hold on our lives. We've kind of got to this place where everything else has been robbing and stealing and taking, and I've been so affected by 18% ESCOM and the Sharks game yesterday, and, and just one thing after the next, after the next, the, all the outside has stolen what's on, on the inside. And we said in the beginning of the year, let's, let's stop that. Let's grab hold of what God has for us. Get some spiritual momentum. Move ourselves in the right direction. Let's grab hold of life again in the areas that God called us to grab hold of. And so today, I'm going to speak about one area that you can grab hold of that will give you a disproportionate difference in your life. Now, when we planned this, we planned that this week coming, we're going to do the big thing I'm going to talk about. But it's turned out that we're doing the big thing that I'm going to talk about in three weeks, which means that we can do this one thing three times. Now, what's nice is you don't know what the one thing is yet. But this one thing that I'm going to talk about, this one thing can help you and will help you realign in your mind what you're called to take control of. And this one thing will give you power to take control of that. And this one thing will help you to influence things you can't control. You want to know what the one thing is? Fasting. <laughs> now, here's, here's what's wonderful about this. Three times you're going to fast. And, and uh, this is beautiful. If nothing happens in your spirit, if you have no spiritual breakthrough, you will still be thin at the end. It is a, it is a great opportunity. But uh, I, was, I was looking at, at fasting and I didn't realize how many health benefits there are from fasting. Just for those of you who, who are going, okay, I'm stopped listening. Uh, there are so many health benefits. They are saying everything from, I made a list of these, improved blood sugar control, decreased inflammation, enhanced heart health, which is kind of an issue at the moment. It may offer protection against certain conditions like cancer, neurodegenerative disorders. They just, it goes on and on. It, fasting basically unclogs your cells. You need to fast. So for the next three weeks, I mean, this is hectic. We're going to fast once a week for three weeks. And the last one will be an altogether on the 21st of the month. So take that down. 21st of the month, we, we're actually going to have three prayer meetings, a 6 a.m., a 12 p.m., and, and an evening praise and prayer. You don't have to come to all of them, but you do need to come to some of them. And we're going to fast and pray for breakthrough. Now today, I'm going to tell you a Bible story about fasting and prayer, and I'm going to open it up. And I'm praying 
that as you listen to this, you will start to grow in faith for what this spiritual exercise can do for you. There's some oaks who are very big here. You're the oaks who eat like eight eggs before you have breakfast and then... Just, just think about it this way. I, I saw a guy, his arms were so big this morning, I realized if he loaded those guns, like people in the front row were going to get knocked over. There, there are some people who are thinking, I cannot fast, but I promise you it is so good for you. So, let's dive into a text. We're going to look at Nehemiah, but just to set you up for the book of Nehemiah, it's, it's one of the most incredible books. I want to give you a little bit of a timeline, because what's happened is um, is. Because Israel has disobeyed God, God has sent them into exile in 556 BC. And then what's happened is in 538 BC, Cyrus, who's not even a believer, this, this, is, this will blow your mind, Cyrus, who's this Persian king, who he doesn't believe anything about Christianity or Judaism, he, he doesn't know about God, he gets up. And this has been prophesied a hundred years before. If you're one of those people who goes like, the Bible, not so sure. A hundred years before this dude lived, his name was declared by Isaiah the prophet. And what he would do, he would set the people free. So Cyrus gets up the one day and he goes, cool, I've taken over the known world. If you are from Israel, go back there and rebuild the temple. That's what happens. That doesn't happen. It is phenomenal. Anyway, from there... We go, in 516, the temple gets rebuilt with the guy Zerubbabel, and then the place is still in a bit of a mess, so 458, Ezra arrives in Jerusalem, but still the place is in a mess, they don't rebuild the walls, and so we go all the way through to 455 BC, and Nehemiah achieves what they couldn't do in decades, in 52 days. He performs a supernatural rebuilding of a wall. Now, I don't know if any of you need a supernatural breakthrough in some aspect of your life. In some, there's something going on in your business, something happening in the market, something going on in your family, something going on in your marriage, and you need a supernatural breakthrough. The book of Nehemiah is about a supernatural breakthrough. And it starts off like this. It says, in Nehemiah 1.3, it says he's chatting to his brothers. They've just come to see him. And they told me, those who survived captivity are in the province. They are enduring serious troubles and being insulted. The wall of Jerusalem has been broken down and its gates have been destroyed by fire. I've got a um, pill taste in my mouth. Would you grab me some, something? That is what you call my fault. Oh, thanks for nothing. Those who survived captivity... Captivity in the province, they are enduring serious troubles and being insulted. The wall of Jerusalem has been broken down. Its gates have been destroyed by fire. This is what they're basically saying. The city is unprotected, and so people from surrounding regions are coming in and looting. They're facing serious trouble. ESCOM has not provided lights and power for ages, and the sewer systems aren't working. The amount of tax being applied is being applied on a smaller and smaller group of people because all the people with enough resources are leaving the area and the, the pressure is on one person, few people. So this, this has absolutely no relevance to us. 
this story is about as close to how most people are feeling as you can possibly imagine. They are angry, they are upset, they are feeling vulnerable. Thank you so much. Oh, a whole bottle, thank you. And they're in trouble. And to add insult to injury, the rest of the region keeps asking why the heck they're staying and where God is because the whole region is going up in smoke. When I heard this, I sat down and cried. I mourned for days. I continued to fast and pray to the God of heaven. Fast and pray, fast and pray. Throughout the rest of this talk, if you hear me say fast or fasting, I'm talking about fasting and prayer. You can't really separate the two. When you separate the two, it's called dieting. It's fasting and prayer is what I'm talking about. You know, Jesus said, when you fast, not if you fast. The early church, for at least the first 300 years, probably thousands of years, fasted every Wednesday and Friday. They used what they saved to feed the poor and to grow spiritual strength. Daniel fasted from chef's table food and God, God made him healthier on vegan Ezra fasted, and God gave him solutions to complex problems. Elijah fasted 40 days and experienced emotional healing and transformed his character. Samuel and all Israel fasted, and a revival began to break out. The disciples fasted, and as they fasted and prayed, God exploded the church. The widow fasted and fed Elisha, and God gave her an unending oil supply, bottomless oil. David fasted in his suffering, and he got up in God's joy. Throughout history, people have fasted and seen strengthening, restoration, healing, revival, revelation, and breakthrough. So today, let's talk about fasting. I want to give you three points on fasting, and we're going to apply these each week. The first one is, you fast to change you. So here's how he, he prays. He says, Lord God of heaven, great and awe-inspiring God, you faithfully keep your promises and show mercy to those who love you and obey your commandments. Open your eyes and pay close attention with your ears to what I, your servant, am praying. I'm praying to you day and night about your servants, the Israelites. I confess the sins that we have sorry, that we Israelites have committed against you, as well as the sins that my father's family and I have committed. We have done you a great wrong. We haven't obeyed the commandments, laws, or regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Now, I'm going to go into an uncomfortable part of church, but he starts off by saying, God, you're phenomenal. This is the framework. You are faithful. What you promise happens, you are good. And then he goes, we suck. That we call repentance. Now, we don't like talking about repentance because it makes everybody sad. But repentance is essential in the Christian faith. The word repentance, it means to turn 180 degrees. Metanoia, it means to turn around. It's to change the way you think, but it's more. You see, because we understand grace. We know that Jesus was punished, that so we don't have to be punished. A lot of us have avoided the aspect of godly sorrow, which is where repentance really starts. See, repentance starts with what Paul, Paul describes as, see what fruit this godly sorrow has produced in you. Godly sorrow is 
man, I have duffed this. God, I am so consumeristic. Lord, I am completely tied up with News 24. I am so focused on the world. God, I am living way out of your plan. Lord, I am stuck in an addiction. God, I am harnessed to this bad practice. This habit consumes my life. This thing overruns me. This is repentance. Repentance is I am so, so sorry. Now, here's why it helps you so much. There's a bit of a, I was struggling for a really good illustration, but just be kind to me. So I, I've broken this poor nose so many different times in rugby, a couple of fights, a whole bunch of things have resulted in this nose going in so many different angles that it's uh, the, one, the one specialist, he was trying to open up my septum. He said to me, Yofbri, I don't even know what to do with this thing. Anyway, so, so I can't really smell. I mean, I can smell a bit, but not a lot, which means that I can hardly taste. So my taste is lame. So food is not a massive priority to me. But f- for my wife, food is a huge priority. She is a foodie. She talks about spicy food and spectacular food and beautiful food. And she talks about dull food and drab food. And she talks about good food and and bad food. And I only speak about nice food, food, and bad food. That's where where it ends for me. She has a whole array of food. And so for 15 years of our marriage, she would spend ages preparing amazing meals that I'd go, it's food. And so there was no grace in that area of our lives. And it was a big thing for her, and it was a small thing for me. <laughs> and eventually, 15 years in, I went, if I have to pretend this is nice, I am diving in in pretense. I am going to learn to cook. I'm going to get involved in this thing so that I can align myself to what matters to her so that there can be life in our marriage in this area. So many of us, live so unaligned to God and the things that matter to him. And you know what happens when you're not aligned in marriage? It's just a grind. There's there's no fun. There's no joy. There's no life. We live unaligned to God in so many areas of our lives. And the work of repentance is to actually go, God, I am so sorry. I'm living for this, but you live for that. And I'm going to change And I'm going to make this my priority. I repent. Now, here's where fasting is so powerful. How many of you have said sorry for doing something and then done it again? Within 20 minutes. I mean, we we joke about Christians. Uh, You know, the funny jokes the atheists crack about us are that we say sorry at confession, then we wake up the next day and then we sin again. Like... There's so much truth in there. That's because repentance that isn't deep doesn't change you. Now, here's what fasting does. Fasting causes you to want to open the fridge, and then you go, Don, I can't access physical food. Let me access spiritual food. And so what you do is you starve your body and you feed your spirit. And when you start to feed your spirit, 
you start to get muscle that can move stuff that physical muscle can't move. And so you find people who've been addicted to certain things. Now, listen, I'm not saying get out of rehab and don't do all of those things. That's not what I'm saying. But I have met people who've been addicted to certain things, who've fasted ongoingly, sometimes for weeks, sometimes for close to months. They've fasted and fasted, crying out to God to set them free, to realign their thinking, and they've been set free. See, fasting gives you spiritual power that breaks bondage. It's why the disciples came to Jesus after they couldn't cast out a demon that he cast out. And they said to him, how come we couldn't do this thing? And he goes, this thing only comes out by prayer and fasting. Fasting has power. Now, here's what I know. The church worldwide has never been under so much bondage as it is now. COVID helped us get properly dysfunctional. We are so far disaligned to God. And prayer and fasting, the number one thing it is to do is to realign yourself back to God. This is why we pray. If you find yourself just praying for random things the whole time without actually realigning yourself to God, you probably are going to find that God isn't on any of the stuff. The purpose, the number one purpose of praying and fasting is to spend time aligning your will to His will so that He can breathe on it. So, this week, we're gonna, it's going to be so fun, guys. We're going to take a day and we're just going to fast. And we're gonna, our prayer is literally, God, every aspect of my life, especially the aspects that you're in bondage. How many of you find you just keep doing stuff you hate doing? Anyone? <laughs> Some of you like, which is like only a little bit, Ross. She's too close for me to nod properly. Don't you want to be free of that? Fasting, no, I don't think one day's fasting is necessarily going to solve it. It may. I've had, I've fasted one day in, in certain aspects of my life and just power. I've been set free. But here's the thing. When you make fasting a bit of a lifestyle, you start to go, I can't move this thing with my muscle. I can't change this thing with my desires. I can't do this by my flesh, but by your spirit, we can break free and I can live free. And I want us to be free. Because you know the feeling of freedom. I, I remember being a varsity student needing to drink to, to have a jaw with my mates. And I remember the day I just, I, I had this worship experience. I left that and went, I don't need it. It just, it just broke. It is such a freeing experience, and I want that for you. Fasting sets us free because it releases spiritual power. Point number one. Point number two. You are so sad this morning. You know what? It, this is going to be good. Don't worry. You'll be skinny at the end. It is good. Okay. Verse 8 says, Please remember what you told us through your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and continue to obey my commandments, though your people may be driven to the most distant point on the horizon, I'll come and get you. Just pause for a moment. 
though your people may be scattered to the most distant point on the horizon, you'll come get us. There are some people here today who feel like you are on the furthest, most distant point on the horizon. You are so far from God, how could he even find you? Google can't find you. (laughs) David says, even though I make my bed in the depths, even there you'll find me. You're there. There are some of us here right now that God is going, dude, I saw you get into this. I watched the journey. I've been right here wondering when you're going to call on me. I'm here to get you. I'll come and get you from there and bring you to the place where I chose to put my name. Here's the second point. Prayer and fasting revives. Now, what I don't want you to do is think that um, that God looks at your fasting and going without food and goes, yo, that's an impressive human. I better bless them. That is not how God works. You cannot manipulate God with your fasting. What fasting does is this. Whilst you're fasting and you're getting hungry, you, you can't get the thing out of the fridge, but you can get it out of the heavenly fridge, and the thing that you're going after is spiritual promises. So God makes heavenly promises. He promises to us about provision, about protection, about joy and love and peace, about, about salvation, about forgiveness, about living free, about all kinds of promises. He gives us promises that we realign our lives on. Now, when we realign our lives on those promises, what happens is faith grows. Faith is the thing that moves God. Your fasting doesn't move God. But when you fast and you keep focusing on the promises, you will grow in faith. When you grow in faith, you will start to move some mountains. Now, here's what happens. How many of you, this last holiday or this last while, got stuck into reading Daily Maverick and News 24? It's okay, you can own it. Thank you, Bones. Okay, Bones and the four other people. Or you got stuck into bad news. Anyone get stuck into bad news over the last little while? Do you remember how you felt afterwards? Depressed, angry. Now, do you remember how hard it went from being able to focus on that to being able to focus on Jesus and being happy in Jesus? You know how hard that was? Okay, here's why. Because you're feeding the flesh with fleshly things, whether you like it or not, anxiety is actually quite addictive. You you feed yourself with negative stuff. It starts to grow inside of you, and then you want more. It's just a little dopamine hit, adrenaline thing. And when you decide, no, 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 I'm not going to focus on that. I'm going to put my focus on God, you are shifting into faith. See, we all need to base our lives on something. You're either going to base your lives on what's happening in the markets or what's happening in Russia or what's happening in South Africa politics. You're going to base your lives on that, so you're going to put your faith in that, or you're going to put your faith in God. Moving from one to the other is hard, which is why fasting actually helps us. But when you move from focusing on News 24 and the savior of the DA, to focusing on God's word and Jesus saving you, what begins to happen is faith grows. When faith grows, you guys know it. 
you can have everything break around you, but when faith's inside you, you just feel like this peace and confidence. Where's, where's Tony? This oak has four kids. You should just give him a hand for having four kids. There we go. Just stand up, Tony. So as he's about to have his fourth kid, two months before, he gets, uh, he loses his job. They retrench, close the company. So he comes to see me, and he starts to tell me the story. And what I'm expecting is panic. You know, when white people are in this, they go white. When, when black people are in this, they go gray. He wasn't, he was, he was even darker than normal. He was just, he was just peaceful. I said, Tony, what are you going to do? He says, God's got this. I'm too far gone to worry about this. God has to have this. So he fasts and prays. And who, who gave you a job? Oh, momentum. Everyone move your... Co- no, no, I'm joking. <laughs> Thank you, Tony. Tony moves across to mom- momentum just like that. The thing that I'm not so amazed by, I'm not that amazed. I mean, the guy's highly capable. I'm not amazed he got a job. The thing that is a miracle for me is the guy lived in peace whilst he didn't have a job. See, fasting moves us into faith. And faith feeds our soul, and it shifts things. Nehemiah goes, God, I want to remind you. I think you might have forgotten, God. But we're praying here, and you said if we pray, if we call on your name, if we come back to you, you're going you're gonna to find us where we are? Well, we're praying. And for some of us, we just have to get back into some promises. Okay, last bit, and then you can go starve yourselves. Nehemiah is praying and fasting his soul back into faith. And then he says, Now these are your servants and your people whom you have saved by your great power and your strong hand. Lord, please pay attention to my prayer and to the prayers of all your other servants who want to worship your name. Please give me success today and make this man, King Arctaxerxes, try to say that fast, Show me compassion, for I was the king's cupbearer. I want to focus on two things. He's the king's cupbearer, which is not like, it's not like he's the finance head. He's the king's cupbearer. Remember, the cupbearer is the guy who tastes the wine to see if it's poison, because you'd rather he die than you. Like, that's... That's how important this dude is. Please give me success today and make this man, this king, show me compassion for I was the king's cupbearer. That word success, it it means push forward. Give me some push forward today, God, and make this king show me compassion. We've got some problems in our country. And um, they're out of your control. Anyone notice? ESCOM being fixed in three years? Well, maybe. That's out of my control. Municipality fixing the sewers, all 27 pump stations? Kind of out of my control. It's a billion rand problem. Though it's improving. The potholes? Kind of out of my control. Crime and grime, a little bit in my control, not much. 
I could go on and on and on talking to you about stuff that's out of my control, that gets into my emotions. There is so much that you're told to leave alone and pray for. And what we're doing as Christians, and, and Proverbs actually warns against this. It says, by the words of the wicked, a city is torn down. And sometimes we as Christians partner up with the words of the wicked and tear down a city. What we're supposed to do is pray for it. He's a cupbearer. The king is out of his control. And so he goes, I've taken control of what I can control. I've taken control of me. But now, God, I need you to take control of what only you can control. That's them. Friends, in our third week, we're going to come together and we're going to start praying for our city and for our country. I don't know if you know this, but there's, a, there's been a big shift in our city municipality. Six people have resigned. A whole bunch of new people have come in. It's quite significant change. There's about to be a reshuffle at cabinet. There is stuff we need to pray for. It's huge. We're not in like a uh, just whinge time. We're in a prayer time. And as a church, we can't be overwhelmed by the problems out there without taking control of our spirits and our thinking and our words and our prayer life. So here's what we're going to do over the next three weeks. We're going to get thin by this week. Fasting and praying for our freedom that we change. The next week, fasting and praying that his refreshing and his power comes on us. So fasting and, and, and praying into, into his promises so that faith comes inside of us. And then the third week, we're going to fast and pray over our city. Three weeks. Okay, how many of us think we're going to do this? Oh, I love you. I know some of you are just going to fast like social media, but I'm asking you to fast food. I know they're diabetics and stuff. But if, if you can fast food, I'm asking you one day this week, fast food. One day next week, fast food. One day the following week, fast food. Here's my promise. I won't ask you this again for at least another term. but I don't want to go into this year powerless. I want to grab hold of it. I want to have spiritual momentum. I want to start seeing people free. I want to see salvation break out. I want to see life flow. I want it in me and I want it in you. So let's get them together. May God bless you. Lovely being with you. Join us for coffee outside.